Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, this is, 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 is Kickoff in the Valley. Now, here's your host, Tyler Vazquez and Gunnar Jackson. All right, welcome into the Kickoff in the Valley podcast, where I am not the voice of Gunnar Jackson, but over there remains Tyler Vazquez. You know him as the leader of the Bird Gang Travel Club. I, of course, am affectionately referred to as the voice of the bird god. As we, Tyler, come in talking all things non-game-related to start, but we will talk about that loss over the weekend, what it means for the draft board for the Arizona Cardinals and going forward. But honestly, the big news that broke is that it is official. J.J. Watt will be retiring at the end of the 2022 season, bidding a fond farewell to the Birds. Yeah, it's sad to see, especially with the year he's having, right? Like, J.J. Watt has played probably, I don't know, you'd probably rank him one or two best defensive players on our team this year. And, you know, yeah. he still looks like he has gas in the tank, but obviously a couple weird or a weird situation with the heart having to be jump-started back into rhythm and, you know, birth of his first child and, and things to that nature. I, I think that weighs a lot on this decision. I know some fans were like, oh, it's just the way the, the season's chicken out. He doesn't want to come back. Well, newsflash he was a free agent so he could have gone and chased a ring somewhere or you know signed with like a buffalo bills like a like von uh von miller did this off season mm-hmm. right there's been a lot of teams a lot of guys that are in jj watts position that will go and they still play at a, a high level uh, von did it last year with the did he get traded to the rams no he got traded to the rams but this year he was definitely chasing by going to the bills he was trying to stay in playoff contention you see obj doing it right now the teams that he usually is talking about are playoff contenders so when these players get in the twilight of their career especially if they're still playing at that kind of high level or, or serviceable level this is different than a terrell Suggs. a couple seasons right. ago he signed with us he didn't provide anything and then he signed with the kansas city chiefs once we parted ways with him and he did nothing jj watt is still very impactful right now he had three sacks in denver two weeks ago so i mean he's he's a key player and, and a guy that that you would love to see go eventually try to chase a ring but unfortunately i mean it sounds like i mean for his sake i probably fortunately maybe he he's at peace <laughs> where his career is ending and he's gonna call it a, a, a career yeah, I think it's two sides, right? You mentioned the health piece and then the family piece, right? And yeah. that can change your perspective as, as you're getting older in the NFL. You know how game to game, snap to snap, something can happen far less devastating maybe than having that heart situation that he did. But what if you just get, I mean, he's had injuries throughout his career, right? What if you get really severely injured at some point and it impacts your post-career 
you know, quality of life, right? So I think all those things come probably come into into effect here for him. Here's the funny thing to me. So there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you. There's only two seasons, so it's actually it feels shorter for some reason. I, I in my mind, I thought this was like year three maybe, and then he's going to probably play four total years with the Cardinals, and it would feel like a significant amount of time with another franchise. But the first thing I looked at was. He came into the league in 2011, and Houston was a 10-win team and then a 12-win team, finished first in the division. Both of those lost in the divisional round. They have a really bad 2013, but they're a 9-win team for the next three seasons. And then they went, like, it's pretty crazy to forget because Deshaun Watson, everything that goes on with him, he's away from the game for a couple of seasons and now comes back with the Browns. Like, I forgot that the Texans were actually a highly competitive team for a lot of J.J. Watt's career because initially my thought was, oh, man, what a, what an unfortunate situation that he never got to play on a high-quality team. He actually did. Like, Houston was actually first in their division every single, what, one, two, three, four, five, six seasons out of his tenure with the team. They were finishing first in the division and going to the playoffs. Never got to the ultimate goal of even reaching a Super Bowl, but – surprisingly, actually, he probably had a better career from a competition standpoint than I initially thought. Let's be fair. That division was very terrible during that time as well, too. Hey, still counts. But the Colts mixed in there, though. The Colts are in that mix with, you know, you got Andrew Luck there and you had Peyton still, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, th- then some other parts are fires, but still. <laughs> yeah, part of JJ's time, he had Andre the, the Andre Johnson years where he was really yeah. good, and then obviously Hop. I look at Hop as another example of this. Like, mm-hmm. like if Hop doesn't make a move away from the Cardinals, and not to say the Cardinals can't bounce back next year or whatever, but it, it's just a shame when you see guys. We have it here in the Valley with Charles Barkley, right? Like Charles right. Barkley was great for years never got a ring those guys that don't get a ring that you really think should get a ring or deserve one jj watt just as a person uh what he did with the it was the hurricane efforts right i believe in yeah. texas uh or when he was with the texans um what he what he did off the field not just on the field is second to nothing. he's just such a great a great guy before games you see him playing catch with all the fans and I'll tell you when, when we were kind of stalking him at the team hotel or stalking the team at the team hotel in Minnesota early in the season, I had the big JJ Watt cut out of his face. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He was trying to like blow past us and, and leave, like go, <laughs> go get in an Uber to go get dinner clearly. <laughs> right. But, and here's the difference. I've met many players and, and I totally get it. When players are like off, they're off and they want to yep. be off. They, some will definitely take time for the fans. Others will stand by like, hey, I'm busy. I will say there's a star defensive player on this team that was like not having it. That is busy all the where, time. Where he was like, I'm not doing it. And so uh, younger guy, but um, yeah, you, know. you see the difference in kind of trajectories of careers of, of where J.J. Watt is and where he was at, uh, where he's at currently. But J.J. like was going to breeze past us. But then when he heard us like, Jake, stop by, come over here. He made it a point to turn around spend a quick minute with us and, and come over. And that's just the guy he is. He's just a good dude. So it is unfortunate to see him not get that level of success. And I think as a fan, when I say it's disappointing, it's disappointing because you want to like, if it ain't here, I, I it would be nice to see if we're not in contention that he does go somewhere and, right. and get a ring and, and all of that. But obviously I don't think it's dis. Maybe there is a layer of disappointment for him, but I think he's again at peace and with the newborn and, and everything else. Uh, he's definitely, um, I think concentrating on different things moving forward. 
Yeah, sure. Of course. No, of course. And because he's what? He's 33. 33. 30, yeah, yeah. You know, so you understand you're closer to the end than the beginning. And, and you know, the way that you think about things like you mentioned doesn't matter who it is. But a young defensive player, when you're in your early 20s versus your early 30s, it does change your perspective a little bit. Just a little extra context around him. And then I do want to ask you a question again about the Arizona Cardinals and maybe something they could have done at the trade deadline here. But remember, 2016 and 17, he only played in three games and five games, respectively. 2019 only played in eight games and then only played in seven games last year. Before, to your point, man, nine and a half sacks on the season. I mean, that's going to be good if he does nothing else over the final uh, two games of the year here. That's going to be his fifth best, uh, sorry, sixth best sacks total of his career. And, uh, And he might be able to even eclipse the 2013 season where he had 10 and a half. Like, if he can get a sack and a half in these last two games, he'll have the fifth best sack total of his career in what will be the final uh, season, obviously, for him. So it's pretty impressive the level that he played at this season. And just for a little extra context, too, because you can monitor where guys are in terms of their Hall of Fame uh, candidacy. And essentially, you can go over and look at these. And J.J. Watt, so the average Hall of Fame, they call it a Hall of Fame monitor score, where the chances to be elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame started after 1955 100 is average of the hall of fame players position jj watt currently sits with a 126 score so very likely to get in there started in 2011 ended in 2022 and 111 and a half career sacks man which is pretty impressive uh just when we think about what this what he was able to accomplish over the course of his career 111 and a half i said top 20 i didn't get 19 down to where jj is 123 is there in terms of the all-time sack leaders that's 20th which robert mathis von miller's ahead of him at 123 and a half like he was there man like maybe one more year 111 and a half like he could have been a top 20 all-time sack leader in nfl history with one more season but even at that Looks like he'll be a surefire Hall of Famer, and that'll be a nice cap off at some point whenever his career ends. You know, whenever they get that election going, excuse me. Oh, he's definitely getting in the hall. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's what's impressive is when people think about J.J. Watt, especially when we signed him, a lot of people were like, oh, but he always gets hurt. And that became the narrative of J.J. Watt towards sure. the final couple of years of his career was he's injury prone at that point. Like he can't play a full season. Da, 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 da. He didn't miss a game that- for the first five years of his career yeah and so you see where he's at today and like the season he's had this year it makes up for last year i mean he missed a bunch of time last year but you also see that like looking at those numbers and see that he's barely outside the top 20 it's like man he did that and he did miss a bunch of time the last few years so yeah yeah, very impressive and and what a career and what a per again what a personal career just him like outside of being in the nfl and on the field what he's done a lot of guys just come in, they get their checks, they play the games, and and they're done. He uh, he left a bigger footprint on the game, um, both on the field and off. What um? So here is the other question that attached to him. Before we look back at this, um, at the last game for the for the Arizona Cardinals losing nineteen sixteen. Obviously, we know this is just counting on the clock. And later on, we will discuss what it means from that draft ranking standpoint. Obviously, Tyler's eyes are firmly locked on trying yeah. to get up there on that board as high as they possibly can at the deadline though you and gunner talked about it i may have been in for one of those episodes too about hey what are some of the things that you can do and we talked about hopkins but he's coming off the suspension there would have been money dead cap there would have been real issues there if you made a move like that beyond compensation 
JJ Watt would have been a free and clear move. Do you easy? Yeah. Easy. And do you, are you disappointed? Not only that he's retiring now. So there's the two sides of it. One disappointed for JJ Watt, the player and the person that maybe you could have sent him to a competitive team. That's going to be in the playoffs, right? It's like, you know what I pictured? Send him to San Francisco. Their defense is already stacked. Just let him be a guy on the roster. Maybe he comes in for an occasional rep or two to help get them a little bit further down the road. Or maybe he's just a glorified cheerleader. So we're going to help the uh, division rival win a championship? Yeah, that ain't happening. Let's be clear here. (laughs) It only matters if your team is competing for a championship. No, but any team that you want, right? Name an AFC team, the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Send them out there. Let them be on a team you know is going on a deep playoff run. There's that side of it. Or or the Eagles. We talked about it before. They had a bunch of injuries on the defensive line as well. So there's that. There's that side of it, and there's just the other side of it, just being smart about it, that he was 33 years old, he's having a good season, nine and a half sacks, like he he really probably could have been a viable option, even if it was for a fourth round, a fifth round, whatever it could have looked like, an opportunity missed for this organization to capitalize on that. And you don't maybe you don't have a sense of what JJ's going to do, but at some point when this season is unraveling, I, I do think you have to balance being loyal to a player that chose to come and join your organization for the last two seasons. And also knowing we got to rebuild this thing, this off season, we need all the capital that we can possibly get. I don't remember when, when the heart issue, if it was around the, the deadline though, and then also his wife you. being pregnant, like maybe they went to JJ. Like that's the one that we don't know. Maybe they went to him and say, cause he had a no trade clause uh, as well. So they would have had to gone to him if they were hmm. going to move him. So at some point, I, I bet they went to him and asked him and said, Hey, would you like to be moved? I, I would, you would hope you would hope as an organization, they went to someone like you him would hope that said, JJ didn't come and say, Hey, I'd love yeah. to be traded. And they were like, I don't think so, buddy. Yeah, no, but I, yeah, you would hope they would go to yeah. him out of respect and just say that like, Hey, would you like to be moved? And maybe he didn't want to be because of yeah. wife being pregnant and, Maybe it was around the heart issue. I can't remember. Uh, it could have been all those same reasons where he just didn't want to shake things up at this point, wanted to finish out the season and, and call it a career. But you know. and, and also that was early October was the heart issue there. So you're talking, you know, you're you're four right around that time, right? Yeah, you're four or five game, five weeks into the season. The deadline's only a few weeks out. There's probably a lot there to negotiate. And you know what? Honestly, you're probably right. Like you just came to this organization. You've probably put down some roots in Arizona as well mm-hmm. and everything else you have going on in your personal life. You might have been hard-pressed to convince him that going, even with the chance to win a championship, might not have been something that would have pulled him away from making choices on and off the field. That being, It, the it case, makes me wonder, yeah. he doesn't have the heart issue. Maybe he does consider it at that point. Like right. with the heart issue, it's like, do you, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know how much that part played a factor in this. Cause that to me, it feels like between that and the newborn, I think those are the, the main ingredients here uh, of why he's calling it a career. But and I was just checking. Uh, he was from Wisconsin. That's right. Cause I yeah. remember them talking about maybe going to green Bay when he was thinking about where he was going to head next potentially. And who knows? Again, I, w- I watched the video. He was somewhere else for a year. And then he moved. Then he switched to Wisconsin after City. Oh no, no, no! Yeah, I'm, I'm saying Central Michigan, and then and then yep, transferred Central to Wisconsin. Michigan. But he was yep. born in Pewaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, okay. So he was um, from Wisconsin originally, growing up. So just that idea of right, if if Green Bay was more competitive, maybe and the deadline, not, right? Yeah, right. 
could have given you an opportunity there. What the an point, important but, game this week, but yeah. Yeah, I they're still the technically time. in. I know, they're still technically in it. As, as shocking as that may be, they're still how technically in it. How many teams in the NFC are still technically in it because of how bad the NFC is? Well, you know is, what? But... Uh, well, let's, well, let's, we'll, let's, we'll tap on that when we get yeah, to the draft at the know, back end right? of it. Because it is funny. The NFC is yeah. a funny one, and it does play into some of that hierarchy there. So from one player that we wish nothing but the best for in J.J. Watt, as he winds down his career, two more games. Hey, get to double digits, half a sack, and he'll finish his final season with double-digit sacks. On the other side of it, though, as we look back to this loss, 1916 at the hands of the Buccaneers, so they're clinging on by a thread to the NFC uh, South division lead right now with the Carolina Panthers nipping at their heels. This is a game where let's just set the, the result aside for a minute. Tyler Vasquez, dream wish fulfilled. Greg Dortch reemerges. As if out of the mist, as if they had cast him off onto a lake that you could not see him, just floating on a raft, tethered by a very fine string, and then suddenly they just slowly pulled him back into shore, and he broke out in a big way in this game. Yeah, I, it's frustrating. <laughs> it, it, it here's the problem, friends. It made here's me upset the problem more than anything. Yeah, that Tyler Vasquez, this is what they've done to him. They've broken. Uh, the leader of the Bird Gang Travel Club has been broken down to a point this season that even when Gre- Greg Dorch finally gets a chance to shine, it doesn't matter. Because the man, and, no it's, and it's only a reminder of what he could have been, right? It makes no sense. There we go. The All last right. two games prior to this, he gets 10 total snaps. Total snaps. Yep. 10. Adds up to me. <laughs> this game. <laughs> He plays like the primary role, and it's not like Rondell Moore's been there the last two weeks. Like, who did he sub in for? It wasn't any of those guys. I mean, it, it was might have been Hollywood Brown. Like, it, it did see that it did seem like that's who was being the sacrificial lamb to giving um, Greg Dorch more snaps this game. Yeah. But uh, and he was injured all throughout the week, so it makes sense. But what doesn't make sense when you look at Greg Dorch's performance this year, and let me just kind of give you these numbers. Week I one. I can't. Cause yeah. week, week one, Kansas city. So brutal. I just this, looked this, at it. Yeah. This is Rondell Moore being out. What week one, nine targets, seven receptions. I'm just going to give you the receptions. I'm not going to give you like yards, touchdowns, no. any of that. He's got a plenty of that too. Uh, week three, 10 catches or 10 targets, nine catches week 11. This is against in Mexico against the Niners. 10 catches, nine or 10 targets, nine receptions. So, I mean, like, he's averaging like a 90% in games where he's getting like 10 targets. Um, and then on Sunday or Sunday night, 11 targets, 10 catches. I mean, the guy, he on 51 targets this year caught 44 of them, 86%. And that was with three different quarterbacks throwing because the Mexico game was Colt McCoy. This game was Trace McSorley. And the other games was uh, Kyler Murray. So, <laughs> Like, when you look at the numbers, I'll give you an example. And I hate no, that no. I pick you. Here's a, great, here's a great one. I really want to encapsulate. Now, he does okay, have a touchdown. Ahead. He does have a touchdown in this stretch. But you mentioned the first three weeks of the season. Because even week two, four catches on four targets, 55 four targets. yards, and Not a touchdown. <laughs> now, from week, so over one, two, three, four games from uh, Carolina through Seattle, he had a total of five catches for 23 yards total mm-hmm. book ended by 19 catches in the last two games for over 200 total yards. And those first three weeks when he had 20 catches, 20 catches for a, almost 200 yards, 
He literally, in five games, has given you, basically, has given you 40 catches, 400 yards, two touchdowns, and somewhere in the middle of it all, they just decided, you know what I'm thinking, though? We really got to go trade for, and this is what I wanted to add. I know, I know it all has to be just eating at you. You trade for Robbie Anderson, who does nothing for you over the stretch of this. So you give away draft capital. When you have someone, like, he already proved it for you. He proved it over the first three weeks, and it's like you actively chose to shut him down and go with a veteran wide receiver who, by the way, in his NFL career, has, for the most part, been nothing but a disappointment based on expectations. This solely comes down to height. That's all it is. I mean, you traded for Robbie Moore because he's or Robbie Moore. You traded for Robbie Anderson because he is a taller receiver. Yeah. You played AJ Green. So let me give you these numbers. AJ Green, go. one game of 50 yards. That's it. Total yards, 128 in, in 11 games played. Greg Dortch, five games of 50 plus yards. Total yards, 324 in eight games. So he did three times the production in less time than AJ Green. But because AJ Green is taller, sure, he's getting the snaps. And it's like, Cliff, you're an idiot. Like, I get it. You want to have a tall guy out there, maybe because your quarterback's shorter. But, God, like, it makes no sense. Here, I want to give you this, too. Here, let's sure. hold on. So, yeah, what he did yesterday, you know, is by far the most detailed he's been. Uh, alignment, assignment, you know, the technique, the route depth, all those things. And like I said, I'm really proud of how he responded. We challenged him to, hey, man, <clears throat> these last three weeks, let's, let's do it um, like a pro in each and every snap. And we took him off the return duty so he could focus on that. And, uh, he responded. You can mm-hmm. see when we said it along when he knows what he's doing and he's running routes and catching the ball and in space. He's done a great job. And uh, so we just got a bit off that, but, but I like what I saw yesterday. Yeah. So that's Cliff Kingsbury uh, yesterday. He didn't love it in the first three weeks, but he really he really came around to the idea. <laughs> so he, really said, he said, it's been a process. Yeah, been a process. Been a process? Like, yeah, that's right. he's making it sound like Greg Dorch. Like, has been some like, oh, he doesn't know what route he's running the wrong route all the time. And he's like, he's been getting better because he's studying the playbook more, something to that nature. I, I mean, I just don't get it because, okay, so here's the process. I tweeted these out. There was a video from training camp, from training camp, where uh, it says wide receiver Greg Dorch getting separation at Arizona Cardinals training camp, and he's just torching somebody. That's in, that's in August, okay? Then in October, uh, Bleacher Report Gridiron, the wide receivers creating the most separation in 2022. Guess who was number one in the entire NFL with 4.4 yards of separation? Greg, yeah, does that really matter, though? Like, does being open really matter in the NFL? Well, I, here's what I'm going to say. <laughs> here's what I'm going to say. When you look at his targets and his and his catches, <laughs> it's not like he's just getting open and, like, doing nothing with it. Yep. Like it, it translates so uh, to production with him. So it's, it's, I mean, we could say AJ Green maybe gets open, but we've seen how that translates. It doesn't, Greg, it doesn't help you. So Greg Dorch played 91% of the snaps in week one, 71 and 81 in weeks two and three. Then it's 36% in week four. He played 3% in week five, 6% in week six. Move past some mediocre ones, 53% in week seven, 8% in week nine, 3% in week 10. Did not see the field in week 12, 5% in week 14, 9% in week 15. Like, and inside of those games, by the way, AJ Green. So every time that Greg Dorch wasn't playing, AJ Green is playing 60%, 57% of the snaps. Meanwhile, Robbie Anderson is playing 31 and 37% of these snaps. Like, listen, if you want to sit here and tell me 
that Robbie Anderson is the mold of player that you want to have compliment, whatever, or that AJ Green, because I've listened, nothing but a fan of them. If you want to tell me these guys fit the functionality of your team, great. But then there has to be a production correlation here between those decisions. And the idea that AJ Green at this point of his career or Robbie Anderson at this point of his career is more deserving. By the way, Robbie Anderson that you traded for in season is more deserving of reps than a guy that was showing it to you in camp and showing it to you on the field to start the season. I mean, listen, you can make like, what is the wins and losses? Remember, 12 games through this season, I highlighted the alternate universe where every one possession game goes the other way. They would have been a 6-6 six and six team. And you're going to tell me that the production that Greg Dorch has on the field for you couldn't have made a difference in some of those instances. It, it, it blows my mind, man. And having that line come out from Cliff Kingsbury is just confounding. Can you see this follow that I got because of all the Greg Dorch love oh, there over you the go. over the course of uh, the weekend? That's Mama right. D, Mama That's Dorch right. is right. following Bird Gang Travel on Twitter now because she loves the love that we give uh, like the Dorch, Greg Dorch. Uh, what I'll say to bookend what you're saying here is the one thing I love about Greg Dorch also is on any of these performances, you don't see him going to social media and, and during that stretch, let's bring up a guy that got released, Eno Benjamin. The big knock on Eno right. was that he was flipping out about playing time because he felt that he had produced when given the opportunities. Greg Dorch on social media, anytime he has a good performance, or even when he's not playing, he has not posted anything that is like, I deserve opportunities, give me a shot, you know, whatever. It's all, you know, humbling and, and just... Very great representation by him to, uh, of, of himself and, and probably his family, you know, how he was raised and everything else. Like, <laughs> the guy is just a good dude. Oh, my God. Hold on. Okay, real quick. It was only a sixth-round pick for Robbie Anderson. So you can say, hey, like, who really cares? Yeah, but, again, pick. Pick, picks matter. Like, you don't know even Tom mean? Brady was in the sixth it. round. Yeah, I think it, I think of it less about like the sixth round pick. I think about it more as like you can package your sixth and your fourth to get into the third round if you really see mm -hmm. a player that you like, right? So it still matters, and you can also attach it sometimes to other deals. That's fine. I'll put it aside. And Tom Brady, it, exactly. And Tom Brady, <laughs> uh, which obviously, obviously, that's what we'll know going into the next year's draft. We'll say that we know, could have had Tom Brady, forward. but we have exactly. Robbie Anderson instead. Um, Greg Dortch signed a one year seven hundred eighty thousand dollar contract with Arizona. Yeah. So like he's going to walk and sign somewhere that values him and we're, and we're going to just blow this opportunity. Yeah. Like, I mean, all, all, so, you know I mean? Like, again, like, it's like, I don't know. It, it's almost like you're trying to do these two things, right? You sign them for a, this. Actually, you want to get, you want to get criminal about it. Watch this, Tyler. Greg Dorch shows up in camp, looks electric. Greg Dorch shows up to start the season and looks electric the Cardinals season is going in the wrong direction and they try to play a cat and mouse game of not letting Greg Dorch look too good where they can still go ahead and re-sign him in the off season. Now you finally get down the stretch and he goes off for these next few games. Like that's it. The secret's over. Like people are going to be coming for Greg Dorch this off season. I'll be very curious what they're willing to do to try to retain him. Because I honestly, I think his production in these five games that we showed before that's too high. Someone is going to look at that and say, hey, we have an elite number one on our roster. Adding a play like Dorch to this is going to make us that much better. And I could I could name 10 teams off the top of my head that would love to have a player like this. I mean, 
I know we have other things to talk about here, but I just the I, I more, think, the more that we I discuss think, Greg Dorch is the more upset I get, and the more likely it is that I start <laughs> talking about him for the New York Football Giants on social media. You are you are on finally. We've done it. You are now on the Tyler train of Greg Dorch for MVP of the NFL. Uh, I just hate I seeing young talent get wasted early in their careers because yeah. there's something about the hierarchy and you have to whatever. And then all of a sudden, especially if you're an Arizona Cardinals fan, man, you're just watching this. Get, you, you were smart enough to go sign them, but too dumb to use them in this one-year deal. It, it, it's mind-boggling. And that's where we'll get into Cliff. Yes. It's fireable. Like, it is. Like, you can, you can tell me injuries, injuries, injuries. But when you're talking about not developing talent – and using said talent, like yeah. when you see things like that, it just, it, it, to me, there's no excuse to keep him. I mean, there's no excuse to keep Cliff around when he can't even identify a, a guy that could have probably been a pro bowler for you. Like if, if, if Dorch puts up these numbers and plays every game, he's probably knocking on the door of being the top like six receiver in the NFL. We'll go ahead and cap this off here. And then I do have a speaking of when it comes to head coaches, but DeAndre Hopkins missed the first six games due to suspension, and Hollywood Brown missed five due to injury in the middle of it. Hollywood Brown played, played 672 snaps for the Cardinals this year. Greg Dorch, who's been available and ready to play, has played 417 snaps. Even And, and those are the top two guys, and you're your best players, and they're going to play all the time. A.J. Green has played almost 100 more snaps this season than Greg Dorch has. So just something to think about when you're noodling around this offseason. But speaking... Of terrible head coaches. The other oh, say, are we going to go Cliff? Because I would love to tear into him at this point. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to. Uh, so this is obviously the tip of the iceberg, I think, for you. What are the other things, especially coming out of this game, nineteen sixteen? Let's just take a beat on it. We know that these games uh, only matter for how high this team can ride inside the standings, but they do fall against the Buccaneers, nineteen sixteen. Again, keeping those Bucks playoff and divisional hopes alive. And this is a game that. They were winning at one point, if I'm not mistaken. Do I have that right? Yeah. No, we were. We've been winning every game the last like three, four. Like we were winning in Denver. We were winning this. Uh, we were winning. I think going into half on this or at halftime, we were up. Like, yeah, up sixteen six in this one. Up sixteen thirteen. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You were there. You. you we've there the been up the last like three. We were up against the Chargers. We were up. Like you've been up, but you collapsed, which is fine. I want the draft pick, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. Right. But again, when we talk about when I see fans online say like, oh, well, but Cliff, he's had tons of injuries and the injuries keep stockpiling like Byron Murphy shut down for the season. Now, uh, I think we had oh, Buda Baker who goes to IR like you have he came out of the game with an injury and he, he's now done for the season. So you have more and more guys. I think there was a couple more that that went on IR as well. So it's just it's getting worse and worse and worse. And I get that portion. I get injuries. But when I see stupidity. It's just like injuries are one thing, but stupidity is another. And when I go on stupidity, one was Greg Dorch. Two is on third and one on the goal line to pretty much seal the game. And just remember, I get Tampa Bay had been playing well, and Tom Brady looks like a shell of himself. That's still Tom Brady on the other side. You don't want to give him the ball with a couple minutes left. Like, you don't really want to do that. Um, uh, you know, the the quarterback from Denver ripping the week before, like, sure, may, maybe that's a guy that you can – play some games with but you don't want to do it with tom brady on third and one when james connor is ripping off 5.3 yards of carry mostly up the middle mm -hmm. and at ease uh <laughs> you 
you run him seven times in the second half, but on third and one, you decide to do a pitch play to, on his only snap to rookie. And I, I like Keontae Ingram, and I would love to see more of him, but third and one shouldn't be the first time he's getting the ball on a pitch play that ends up being a fumble and, and you lose that opportunity. And then it ultimately, to me, that's the game changer that, that turns everything around and, and costs you the game and, it, and it's over. You lose the momentum, uh, you know, another momentum play they lose. Yeah. Trace McSorley. Here's another one. Trace McSorley throws that bombed to, to Hollywood Brown for like 40 something yards, best play of the game for him. And the very next play, we run a wildcat to James Connor that gets stuffed out like for no yards. And it's just like those decision-making between the third and one play. And then that play coming off of, of the best throw of the game. That's now built some confidence for your third string quarterback. Who's had little to no success all game. You follow it up with just a dumb play call. And, and wow, it's just, you, when you see those three things, the no Greg Dorch, the, which it's almost like stop playing Greg Dorch. Cause he's just making you look like more of an idiot. <laughs> James Conner on a third and one, which would have pretty much ended the game for you. And then also prior to that, that big throw that you follow up with the wildcat, like those things aren't injury related. Those are just stupid decisions that this coach is. You can see it on his face. They show video of him on the sideline and he just looks like, man, I can't wait to get out of here. There was that article that came out last week about, and he did, he denied it. He said, he being cliff said uh no that's not true i'm not looking to get out of here but the gist of the espn article was he feels he hasn't been given the tools i'm sorry you got deandre hopkins you've been given hollywood brown you've been given zach Ertz, you've been given some good old linemen granted they're not healthy but you've been given plenty of pieces but allegedly in the story he feels he hasn't been given the pieces and him and kyler aren't getting along yeah. to add into that and i know you want to comment on this but i want to give you the last piece to add into that, during the game, Kyler Murray, uh, they report on his status that he will be getting surgery from the Dallas Cowboys doctor. I think they said it was January 3rd. And then to follow it up, Cliff Kingsbury has been was asked, uh, what's what's the status on Kyler Murray? And he doesn't know. He's like, I, I haven't heard anything. I know in the new year he'll be getting surgery, but I, I, I'm not aware. I'm not aware like of what's going on with my franchise quarterback. Like, so, I mean, uh, obviously, listen, what a disaster. <laughs> what, I'm sorry. Dude. What a disaster. The like, and like, you know what it is too? I'll even just from the high level. I want to just make a couple of comments on this game specifically here, but at a, at the highest level, sometimes highest say eight H HLs here, HLs yeah, highest levels. What sometimes the best thing to do is just not say anything. Like, everyone looks at and listen, he's one of the greatest yeah. coaches of all time. But when you look at Bill Belichick, you know, and they ask the question, he goes, yeah, got to do better on that play. Yep, got to do better on that play. Yeah, we'll go back, we'll look at tape. He gives all the generic stuff. You don't get any answers out of him, and it's frustrating, and, you kind, and, we, and everyone kind of gets on him for that a little bit. But you know what that's better than? It's saying things like what Cliff says. Talk to Greg Dorch. Told him, hey, man, let's really get it going here. Kind of like those first three weeks when we were playing you and then when we shut you down. But now we're going to ramp you back up because the season's over and it doesn't matter. We're saying, I don't have any, I don't know what's going on with Kyler Murray. Like, that's the thing where when you put, and then you push back on the reports that you want out of there, you're done, you're going to move on. 
do one thing or the other. Be like, yeah, man, it's been a rough season. We'll see how it plays out when it's all said and done. Instead, you're doing, you're giving all of the, all of the bait, all of the chum. You're just throwing it in the water and talking out of eight sides of your head. It is such a bad look, man. As a, you know, he doesn't know what producing he's fan of the Arizona Cardinals. God, would I like Cliff Kingsbury to be fired? Yeah, I mean, just brutal. At this now, point, I don't know how anyone can make a case for him. I don't like. I just. It's Other, over. And by the way, a really bad case to make is that you sign is that the contract and the money, right? That's a yeah. bad. That's a bad case to make. That well, we're already tied to the guy. Again, throwing good money, uh, you know, throwing good money after bad is the is the definition of making a, a bad decision worse, right? So we'll see how that plays out. Here's what I find fascinating: if you're talking about wanting to win football games, and I know that right now when we talk about it, that's not necessarily the agenda here. I looked at, first of all, in the stats in this game, 5 of 19 on third down for the Arizona Cardinals. Obviously, you know what they're dealing with. They don't have a lot of the quality players. But here's here's some really brutal examples for me. You go back and you look at this game. They punted from the 30-yard line of Tampa Bay in this game on a fourth and one. Like Yeah, when he normally always goes for it. <laughs> right. Like ah. again at a certain point, fourth and one from the 30, when it is three to six here, you go ahead and you you go ahead and you punt the ball away looking to pin them. And I want to make a sh- take a look here. Arizona 30, uh net of 13 yards on that. So that means uh Tampa Bay got that ball at the 17 yard line. What, what, what are you what are you sacrificing here? The season yeah. is over. You're not going to win any football games, and you go ahead and you punt from there when you literally need a yard. Now, whether or not you can go and achieve that, as you said, Connor is having a good game here. Feels like you can go get that yard for yourself and give yourself oh, an opportunity. Hold on, it just hold on, hold on. Yeah. You know why he doesn't right there? What's that? Because he like he's already got all the crap for going right. for it on fourth down. That he's scared. Right, so now you're allow- like, now you're allowing the the, the media to dictate yes. terms on how you coach. Fantastic, hundred percent. Give me another excuse why he did it. I, I mean, he's gone for fourth down on his own thirty yard line, let alone, uh, you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> on on the opponent's thirty yard line. Like that doesn't make any sense. It, like it, it literally, he doesn't know what he's doing, and he's 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 listening to the outside noise, and maybe having a hard knocks be the you know be on hard knocks this year probably wasn't the best for him because clearly he can't take this i want to read you something from ian rapaport this was on the firing of broncos head coach uh nathaniel hackett and and we're going to read this i'm gonna read it two different ways the product on the field for the broncos was bad the qb play was bad the fighting on the sideline was just as bad or maybe worse a sign the coach has had no control over anything thus the firing of Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett. Now, I went and took a little Photoshop job and just switched out a couple words. Let me read it again. The product on the field for the Cardinals was bad. The QB play was bad. The fighting on the sideline was just as bad or maybe worse. A sign the coach has no control over anything, thus the firing of Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury. (laughs) If the Broncos, who Uh... Hackett had a similar contract because he was just signed, Right to Cliff Kingsbury, if they can get rid of their head coach and they're already making moves to position themselves for a new head coach, the Cardinals need to be doing the same here. I get it; they may be waiting till Black Monday, but Cliff's got to go. I mean, there yeah. I'm past. You, you can go back to our early episodes. Definitely go through the catalog and listen to some of the the good times in early weeks. Uh, I wasn't on the Cliff like Cliff and Kime have to go. But now where we are at, when you fast forward 16, 17 weeks later, 
if it's full blown, there's no there's no way they can come back either of them. No, and what wait, what is his contract right now, Clint Kingsbury? He got a five year extension this off season. So okay, so this okay, so but he was already through. His original was a four year through twenty twenty three. Yeah, this one's supposed to take him through twenty twenty seven, if I believe if that's right. Oh my god! So you're talking five years from now. Yeah, through twenty seven, there is uh, not a single season goes by. I want I want to check what what the guaranteed money is on his. And we've no no one's seen it. If you can find it, that'd be great because I have never heard the guarantees or anything. And that's the one thing that people are speculating that the only justification of these contracts would have been that there are out clauses. But we have not yet heard or seen or, or have any real details on Kime or Cliff's contracts and what that may look like. That becomes interesting. That becomes, becomes interesting. very interesting because you would hope that Michael Bidwell, being as smart as he is, that he protected himself because they really didn't do much to justify five years. I mean, coming off the finish of last year, I get the team steadily got a little bit better, but the way the team ended last year, nothing about that said, give them five years, which I know we've all beaten to a dead horse. No, hundred percent. Now I'm going to do a little bit of rolling through here, but while I try to see if I can track down that information, cause I'm a sleuth out there on the internet, we can also talk about coaches that don't suck at their jobs. And that would be one Sean Payton. And I know you want to just tap into give a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel here, potentially, potentially for Arizona Cardinals fans. So Justina Anderson says, obviously, Sean Payton is a top dog. My understanding right now is Payton has a high affinity for the Chargers and Cowboys. Well, with the Chargers winning this week and the Cowboys winning this week, I think it's going to be very hard for either team to fire their head coach unless a really they would have to have the finish the Cardinals had last year and just get blown out in the playoffs, I think, to even justify letting go of either of their head coaches. But uh it says, with the Cardinals being a consideration also, if jobs become available when Denver calls, I expect Peyton to listen, though he historically prefer- prefers a strong link to the GM. In other words, Mike McCarthy needed the win on Saturday. Stay tuned for the coaching carousel season. Mm. So, I, I mean, it's uh, everyone's pointing to that Peyton is probably going to be the guy. like that. that well, at least the guy that the Cardinals want, right? Or, I mean, sorry, that Peyton's going to be available to somebody, right? Like, right, 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 right. He's right. the main target for everybody. That's what everyone's kind of looking at. Um, uh, the Cardinals, I would think, need to be. Oh, let me give you another one. Benjamin Albright over the weekend, who has phenomenal sources. He was asked, which jobs are realistic for Peyton? He says, LA. Maybe AZ, but I'd say that's if neither LA job comes open. Mm-hmm. So then it makes you think of the Rams. Okay. Well, Matt Stafford last week said he's coming back. If Matt Stafford's right. coming back, I don't think McVay leaves, especially with the success they're having now at the end. They've won a couple games with with um, yeah, bad injury season for them. You could yeah, paint a picture with Baker. Right? They've had Baker win them a couple games, so you know th- things are looking on back on the up and up here. And and they've had Cup out. They've had numerous wide receiver. They're home like wide receiver units hurt, but I, I think he's coming back. So you don't think the Rams are going to move. Uh, the Chargers head coach today pretty much made a statement like this is just the beginning. He, I think that was directed at anyone thinking that he's going to get fired. So uh, I don't think an L.A. job's opening and I don't think a Dallas job's opening. Do you think that what do you think the so is this the we talked with Jake uh, Arians last week? Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that if we if we follow Jake's line of thinking that there's loyalty with 
um, with Steve Kime that he'll be back. He thought he got that sense and the idea of, okay, you've had an up and down tenure as GM. If we bring in a guy like Sean Payton, it's going to be a little bit of from, from the bottom up in terms of communicating what you want and what the expectations are. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Steve Kime or whatever, but the idea of, Hey, you're going to be more of a figurehead and the head coach is going to be telling you a lot of what he wants, the players that he wants, and maybe that scale of who's in control shifts more towards the head coach. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard, right? I mean, it's a mess, man. It's a messy situation, well, when, when, by the way. I, I love Jake. Now, Jake did say he's a coach's son. Right. So you've got to take part of that with a grain of salt, thinking that. And he does know Michael Bidwell. He knows the organization well. I, I see what he's saying. And and in my heart of hearts, I believe what he's saying. I believe that it's just in the Cardinals nature, one, to always hire from within. So even if, mm-hmm. even if Kime's gone, they'll probably promote Adrian Wilson or Quentin Harris or whatever, right? That, one of those moves is the most likely. He also talks about him ripping up those coaches' contract, the coach and GM contracts. Like, he doesn't see that. Right. I don't know. I think Michael Bidwell – he listens too much to the outside noise. We talked about that over the course of the season. Yeah. He hears that everybody wants Sean Payton. I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm as a fan blind. I'm blinding myself yeah. to hope that you are going to see a mass. You're going to blow this up, mass exodus. You're going to get rid of everybody, and they are going to make the trade for for Sean Payton. And here's the reason I say why. And you tell me. In terms of protecting your investment in the hundred and what was it hundred and forty million dollars that Kyler Murray got? Mm. In terms of protecting your investment, what's going to be cheaper? Continuing this S show that you have with Kyler Murray not getting along with Cliff and them fighting and everything else, and eating those contracts and then trading draft capital right. for Sean Payton is that cheaper? than wasting $140 million of Kyler Murray because you can never figure this out. Like, what's, yeah, what, I, what protects his money better? To yeah. me, it's almost like you should blow it up. Well, and so here's the – so I'll put these two things in here as we, we prepare to get out the door, and we will just note where the, where the draft stock stands right now for Arizona as well. You have – so let's say that it's going to take at least a first-round pick to trade for Sean Payton. Like, that's not unreasonable. I keep seeing, like, third and fourth or fifth because, because of – uh, yeah. It's understood. He's, and yeah the, yeah, the Saints don't have much leverage at this point. Right, right. And that's fine. So whatever, even say it takes third and fourth, right? So yeah. what, and my, my point was going to be, whatever it gets labeled as in terms of the cost, the idea would be right now you have Hopkins and you have Murray and you have players on this team. So in some ways, you could look at it through the prism of the quality of the head coach can elevate what you actually think is a pretty solid roster and losing some draft capital over the next couple of seasons won't be the worst thing in the world if you think you can maximize the value, right? So I, in that in that sense, I don't think it's a terrible idea to go in that direction and see if you get the most out of it. The other thing that I'll throw in here in terms of if you're going to let something go or somebody go, uh, the only thing I can find here right now in a couple of different sources was that even on the extension for Cliff Kingsbury, that they essentially said that it's speculated or reported that it was somewhere around kind of the same initial deal of 5.5 or so per year. So it didn't dramatically increase in terms of annual value. It just extended the time. So you'd be talking about having to eat 
maybe 20 million. Or if you come to buyout agreement, maybe you half that number down to 10 million. So like moving on from Cliff, and this isn't, I'm not breaking news here, is dramatically easier, even from a financial standpoint, uh-huh. than it is from Kyler Murray and probably even than it is from Steve Kime to that extent, right? So if you're talking about, hey, Cliff, it hasn't worked out and you want to go get a big contract at the college level for insane money at 10 to 15 or $20 million a year, guess what? You're going to take 50 cents on the dollar. We're going to eat 10 million and we're going to part ways here immediately. So it's a very viable option to do that. I think it'll just come down to what they have to give up to get Sean Payton. And the last thing I want to ask you on this, and we will run long because that's the nature of the beast here, friends. Yeah, we um, always run long when the team's bad. And listen, there's a lot to gripe about. <laughs> you mentioned this the other day when we were talking with Jake, and obviously you're, you're having a conversation with the uh, son of a coach. But is there any world where where you would – I know you said would love to have Bruce Arians come back. Is there any world where like Bruce Arians is the Band-Aid for this franchise? Like say that Sean Payton does go somewhere else and you are you are looking to move on from Cliff Kingsbury – would a return for Bruce Arians, like, is that something that's actually even viable in any way? Because I know that they they didn't part under bad terms. It was time to move on, and he goes to Tampa Bay and has success there, obviously. Um, but I, I really just, do you have a sense of, like, is Bruce Arians just done coaching, really? I I think my what I had heard just throughout skirts, and this was actually not from Jake, I, and Jake told me, Actually, Jake refuted this when I asked him, to be honest. Mm. And he said, no, it's not the case. Bruce wanted to move on, or Bruce genuinely wanted to retire. He wanted to go into broadcasting, blah, 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 blah. But my understanding, what I've heard rumors from around circles, was that Michael Biddle was tired of Bruce's kind of swagger, right? Like the way he handled press conferences, the, you yeah. know, the blunt, the the blunt, how he comes across, just just kind of how Bruce was, right? Like, wasn't the biggest fan and, and was kind of over it by then. It kind of wore on Michael. Is, mm-hmm. is, that's just what I had heard. Now, again, it could, you know what else wears on you losing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing. Bruce, like every year was great. I mean, yeah, he had, a, he had a couple stinkers, but I mean, he left like 500 and that was with injuries at quarterback and things like that. So, but when I look at that, yeah, could, would listen, would Bruce be a great consolation prize to Sean Payton? Sure. I mean, I would love for him to come back because if you give him the weapons he has now, like Bruce never had those kind of weapons. I mean, he had Larry Fitzgerald on, on the Twilight, but he didn't have a Hopkins in the prime and a and a Hollywood Brown in the prime, like and a Kyler Murray. I mean, he just never did. Not not with us. So yeah, that would be great as a consolation. I still would say Sean Payton for what what you look for, what where he had success in New Orleans, gadget player like a Rondell Moore or Greg Dorch. That's like Taysom mm-hmm. Hill right smaller guy can move around you know do do great things you have uh you know elite receiver talent like you had mike thomas you have hopkins um i mean you could say he has more with hollywood brown kyler murray smaller quarterback a little mobile drew Brees, smaller quarterback mobile like not to the same degree but still yeah. drew Brees moved rolled around a lot did a, did a lot you know the teams are set up very very similar and all the capital they've spent on defense like defense yeah. was always a big staple of the Saints. That's you've got guys that are showing potential. Isaiah Simmons looking great uh, uh, across the board. I mean, you've got tons of talent on that defense. You know what's crazy is that um, Wisenhunt had a no- one more season as the head coach of the Cardinals than Arians did. And I know that they went to the Super Bowl in that second season. They lose in the divisional round, and it starts to you know go yeah. downhill there at the back end. 
But as you know, you always say it's like the, you built on the shoulders of the predecessor. Now I know that Green didn't have success in his three seasons by any stretch. But you come in eight and eight, then you go nine and seven, you go on that run. But I mean, it's just it's crazy to me. Only two seasons was he over five hundred. And then Bruce came in with 10, 11, and 13 wins to kick it off. And as you say, 7, 8, and 1 in 2016, and then 8, and 8. Like, he only had one sub-500. It's just it's interesting to me. Yeah. I say this about players. I say it about coaches. Like, I think sometimes, and I again, I, I don't want to bring up my team in this, but the Giants were so close to firing Tom Coughlin before they went on that run and won the Super Bowl and then had a handful of, of high-level seasons, right? It's like sometimes yeah. you pull the plug a hair too soon. And you have to have some of that stick to around the head coach, around the choices that you make. So, well, that's what you look at franchises like the Steelers, right? Like how yeah. long have they kept their head coaches or the Ravens or, you know, and there's a reason they're constantly good because they aren't just churning coaches over and, and burning through it. But all right. So draft position, you want to go yeah, draft plenty of time, quick? plenty of time to talk about the head coaching situation. Yeah. Um, we have, so uh, Denver gets back on its uh, losing ways there. So they've lost, what do you got? Houston two and 12 and one. They're number one, Chicago three and 12. They've lost eight in a row. They are, entrenching themselves at the top of this draft board. Denver's a pick will kick over to Seattle. They are four and 11. The Cardinals are four and 11. And then the Colts now are four, 10 and one right behind them there. Atlanta and the Rams, both five and 10. So you'd like to think that you can stay quote ahead of the Rams and the Falcons in this race. Who does Denver play coming up? So here's, what we got Houston's locked at one. Yeah. Let's talk Chicago first at two. Okay. Yeah, they've got Detroit and Minnesota. Detroit. Detroit's going to go all out. They still want to. I get it. Strong. And yeah. it's in Detroit, but they've been shaky at times. And yeah, Chicago, yeah. if Fields is playing, yep. You know, I, it's, I can say Fields can win any game. Like he, he's yeah. a scary talent by himself. That I could see them upset in Detroit or Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota at that point probably needs to treat that week like a bye week. Because mm-hmm. they're not going to get a buy if they if they're if they can finalize they've already finalized playoff spot right they're guaranteed in I think oh yeah they won the division yeah Minnesota won the division so they're in. Oh, yeah yeah they're locked in yeah yeah, yeah they're, they're locked in. in so they've got nothing to play for and they're not going to get a buy I don't think I don't think they can surpass the Eagles so I, I and be locked in, in the two seed though yeah yeah but they can't get a buy so they're probably going to treat their final week as kind of a rest week so Chicago is going to probably play their guys because they got nothing to play for regardless. So if Chicago wins and we lose out, we automatically pass them because their strength of schedule is is better than ours. Mm -hmm. So we win that advantage. So it goes by strength of schedule, not just not head to heads. So that's a key thing to mark here. So that's why they're important. Now, Denver, I think they're cemented, right? They're sending their pick to Seattle. They're going at Kansas city and then the chargers at home. And the Kansas. Chargers now the Chargers clinched their playoff berth with their win at nine and six. They'll play, and if they want to, can they? I don't so know they, they might move. treat it like a bye week too. Well, yeah, they can move up maybe with the Ravens there right now because the Ravens are the fifth seed, and you could move up on them in record. But that they have the Colts coming up here first. But then by the last week, maybe it's a, you know maybe it's going to be a bye for them. Yeah. So, so I mean, you really just need both Chicago and Denver to win one game and you got to lose out and we're on the road in Atlanta. We never win in Atlanta. And yeah. now that I say that we'll probably win this weekend. Uh, and then we're going to be at San Fran. San Fran also will probably be in a position to kind of rest their guys that final week. Yeah. So again, I think San Fran's backups will beat our fifth stringers that we have in. So 
Yeah, so you're in a I bit of balance think. there. And like you said, I mean, Atlanta is five-win team, so that they, they, they could be tanking, quote-unquote, with you as well. They are playing yeah. Desmond Ritter, so they're trying to obviously evaluate him. So I think if you got a win with your rookie quarterback, you would obviously put stock into that um, if you're them because they just started playing him and getting rid of Mariota. So, yeah, I mean, listen, maybe they can move here, man. I know you want that third spot real bad, but I just <laughs> – it just, it's so funky the way it's going to play out. And I'll just note, because we did say at the top of the show here before we close out, um, in the AFC, when you look at it, after you get through the divisions, which by the way, it's like right now the Bengals are up there at 11 and four, but the Ravens can certainly be in the mix there at 10 and five right now as this wraps up. The Jaguars are currently technically the four seed, depending on how this thing shakes out here. Um, as they won their game, they're seven and eight. They're leading that AFC South division now. Um, but when you just think about nine and six with the Chargers, the Dolphins eight and seven, the Patriots seven and eight, it gets a little bit murky. But you're all the way down in there with teams that are all above 500. You ask this question, so I'll just tell you. Teams that are in the hunt in the NFC after the commanders at seven, seven, and one who hold that seven seed, it's the seven and eight Seahawks, it's the seven and eight Lions, it's the seven and eight Packers. And technically, you include the six and nine Panthers in there because they can still go up and win that division. They have a head to head matchup with the Bucks having already beaten them earlier in this season. So you're going to have all the teams team, in the Hunter below 500. A yeah. team be two or three games below 500 to make the playoffs. How crazy is that? They're, they're going to be. I mean, the, I the, the Bucks right now are seven and eight. So, you know, unless they're going to go out and win their last two games, they can get to nine and eight. But more than likely, the NFC South, in my opinion, is going to be sending a sub 500 team. Because I think, I think Carolina catches them, wins on the head to head with both teams being eight and nine. So that is the playoff picture. Wow. That's the way the dance gets done. Um, get us out of here, man. We'll of course come back in. We'll talk about this upcoming matchup and we'll talk about players that we want to see like Greg Dorch continue to show what his value can be. So obviously other teams around the league can look to sign him in the offseason. I'm going to be in Atlanta this weekend. Got to check oh, out that stadium. Dude, man, they got some good food in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Got some mm-hmm. good food in Atlanta. And it's not the weather. It's too cold over there. I already checked. It looks like it's going to be pretty good. It's a little rainy, but... I'm excited to go to Atlanta. With that being said, yes, we will do our preview episode next. We're going to get out the door. That is Adam, the voice of the bird god. <laughs> and I am Tyler with a Bird Gang Travel. You can find me uh, on Instagram and Twitter at Bird Gang Travel uh, or Bird Gang Travel Club on Facebook. You can find these fine programming episodes anywhere you get podcasts uh, or you can go to cardinalspodcast.com. But whatever you do, Make sure you always download and subscribe. But whatever you do, always kick off in the valley. Go!